You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. My name's John Edwards. You won't, you won't uh, all have met me. Um, my wife Miriam is the, the lovely lady up on the, the sound and vision, serving faithfully as she often, often does. Miriam, could you give everyone a wave, please? <laughs> And uh, these are my three, three lovely daughters, Isabella, Emmeline and, and Josephine. Um, we, we moved down from uh, Southport two or three months ago now. And uh, just while I've got the microphone, I'd just like to, to thank everyone for, for the warmth and, and love that you guys have given us, uh, welcoming us into the new community. It's, it's much appreciated and we feel, feel very blessed uh, to be here. Uh, now, before I go any further, I'll ask Jewel to come and read the the passage today. Our passage is from Matthew 4, and it's how Jesus coped with temptation. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he'd fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Thank you, Jill, for reading that so nicely. Uh, This is a great passage that we're going to get into today, so I'll just stop and and pray. Father, thank you for the the precious gift of your scriptures, and, and thank you that we can learn about you and admire you and worship you through the scriptures. I just pray, Lord, that you'll open up our our hearts and our minds and our our souls today uh, to reveal what what you would bring us uh, through this passage. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've I've titled this passage today, Staying Faithful in a World of Temptation. Sorry, we've lost some of that in the changeover. and that, that will be the main, the main message we'll be, we'll be looking at as we go through the passage, the, the faithfulness of Jesus. But as I read through this passage, uh, another aspect that really hits me is that this is a heavyweight 
showdown. Um, on one side, we've got Satan, who is the, the ruler of the principalities and, and powers of darkness over the world. And on the other side, we've got Jesus, uh, the man, also God, recently been baptised, just commencing his ministry. It is a showdown. And the first part of the message, I'd like us to, to zoom in closely and, uh, and look at how Jesus deals with Satan uh, and the temptation. Uh, a New Testament scholar called N.T. Wright has said, as God's children, we are entitled to use the same defence that the Son of God himself uses. So we'll be looking at how, how Jesus deals with temptation. But the second part of the talk, I'd like us to stand back and just take a grand view of Jesus that God, through Matthew, wants us to see. Now back to the, the showdown. I've been searching for the internet over the last couple of weeks, looking for some kind of analogy of a classic showdown, a heavyweight showdown. Now, I kept coming back to these two guys. Now, I don't support boxing, but, but it is helpful for an analogy. Uh, does anyone know who these two people are? Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier. Yeah, very good. And um, these guys were um, involved in, in a couple of classic uh, fights. And one of them was called the Thriller in Manila. I think I just picked this one because I just like saying Thriller in Manila. But a lot of people said this was the, the greatest heavyweight fight of the 20th century. Now, as you can imagine, for an event like this, there'd be a lot of talk going on beforehand. With any of Muhammad Ali's fights, there was a lot of talk about Muhammad Ali. Most of it was by Muhammad Ali. But there was plenty of talk by others leading up to this event, to this showdown. Likewise, in the Gospels leading up to this showdown, there's been a lot of talk about Jesus. Not by Jesus himself, but by others. There's been an angel talking to Mary before his birth. There's been angelic hosts singing about Jesus to the shepherds. There's been a guy called Simeon in the temple. God had told him that he would see God's saviour before he was born and he recognised the baby Jesus as the saviour. There's been wise men from the east. There's been John the Baptist, all saying that this Jesus is going to be king and saviour and messiah. And lastly, immediately before this passage at Jesus' baptism, God the Father himself had said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. So there's been a lot of talk, but I guess in life as in boxing, if you want the crown, at some time the talk has to stop and you have to step into the ring with the challenger. And that's what Jesus does here. Jesus has been baptised, he's been anointed by God, by the Spirit, and be declared by God to be his son and he's ready to begin his ministry. What a first assignment. But how often in, in our lives, and, and it's a common thing in Christian lives, that after a time of spiritual high, there often seems to come a, a period of, of trial and temptation. It just seems to be something that a lot of Christians have noticed uh, in their life. So we'll start with the, the first text. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The first thing I notice in this is that Jesus is being led by the Spirit. 
Jesus is here because he's faithfully following God. And I think that's helpful for us to remember when we're going through trials and temptations. But trials and temptations are a part of a faithful Christian life. That's helpful for us to remember when we're going through temptation. It's also helpful for us to remember that when those around us are going through trials and temptations. But it's also helpful for us to remember that God is in control. So Jesus is led into the wilderness for a period of solitude and silence, prayer and almost certainly, oh sorry, fasting and almost certainly prayer. If you think back to the boxing analogy in the days preparing for the fight, I imagine they're, they're tapering down their activity, they're making sure they get rest, all the right food, doing some light warm-ups, etc. But for Jesus, the preparation for this showdown is solitude and silence, fasting and prayer. And to me, that reminds me that these practices are ones that bring us into a place of readiness and strength. Jesus regularly spent time with Jesus alone, and I think we need to be doing that as well. So the tempter comes and says to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loads of bread. Loaves of bread. Notice that Satan starts this with an if. He's questioning the very words God has just spoken at Jesus' baptism, declaring Jesus to be God's son. He's questioning his identity. Jesus also sees Satan's physical hunger and moves in. One author has said, the flesh may scream for satisfaction. So why not turn the stones into bread? There's nothing specifically wrong with that act. Jesus would turn water into wine. He'd turn a few loaves and fishes into a banquet for thousands. So there's nothing specifically wrong with the act. It would be quick and easy and it would satisfy his flesh. So what's, what's the problem? Well, Jesus responds, and I love the way Jewel emphasised it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 8 there. Jesus has just picked up a heavy weapon. Does anyone know what it is? His word. He's taken up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. <coughs> The verse he uses deals with the problem of questioning his identity. Jesus is saying, I'm going to believe in God's word and God has just told me that he's my son. So he's dealt with the question of identity. And we need to do that as well. It's the word of God that, I, that um, determines our identity and value. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God, and so we are. So it's the word of God that determines our value and our identity too. But this verse also deals with Satan's suggestion to change the stones into bread. The words of Satan are not from God, they're from Satan. They're telling Jesus to take matters into his own hands, to be self-serving and provide for self. But in the end, it's Satan's words and Jesus would be following Satan's suggestion <laughs> rather than God's. Satan's extremely quick on his feet, though. In verse 5, The devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, 
He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike a foot against a stone. Satan is so quick. He's now saying to Jesus, okay, you say you're going to follow the word of God. Well, God's word says this, so go and do that. And he he puts forward something that's quite sensational, a little bit superficial, but self-grandiosing, but sensational. And he bases it on the word of God. Satan has correctly quoted verses 11 and 12 of Psalm 91. That is true. But what he's done is taken it out of the context of the psalm. Even the couple of verses beforehand in the psalm are saying the reason you get that protection is because you've made God your dwelling place, your rescue. So the reason that protection comes is because you're following God, you're living with God, you're obeying God. What that psalm doesn't say is if you do something stupid by yourself, it's going to be okay. So it's not consistent with the local context of the scripture. Jesus also points out another point. It's not consistent with the broader scripture as well. Jesus says to him, again it is written, you shall not put the Lord God to your test, to the test. So not only is, is Satan's use of the word of God not consistent with the local context, it's not consistent with the context of the broader scripture. And that's a lesson for us as we leave scripture. It's a lesson for us when we hear messages about scripture. This highlights an important thing about the, the sword, the sword of the spirit, the word of God. A sword has to be held by someone. It has to be used by someone. And for it to be effective, it needs to be used by the, by the spirit of God. Um, the spirit of God gives illumination to scripture. So he'll bring to mind passages. He'll show us how passages apply to our lives. But he'll also bring the truth of scripture to us. And the truthful way includes looking at the context and using it correctly. So Satan has had taken a couple of good shots now, but he's been smacked down. Going back to that fight of um, Ali and Frazier, before that fight, um, Joe Frazier had had a lot of wins by knockout. And he had headed into that fight thinking that he was going to knock out Muhammad Ali. Halfway through the fight, he landed a big punch on Muhammad Ali's jaw and nothing happened. He said at that time, he thought, this fight's going to be different. I wonder if Satan is feeling the same thing at this stage now because he's had two good shots and he's been smacked down. So Satan drops all pretensions now and he makes his big play. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Just stop and think about that for a moment. What all the glory of all the kingdoms of the world, he probably showed him across time, all those kingdoms and glory. This reveals what has been the common underlying thread of all these temptations. In the end, all these temptations have been directed at changing Jesus' allegiance. They've all been trying to turn Jesus from a path of faithfulness and following. That's the path that Jesus' baptism had commissioned him to, to faithfulness and following, and that's also the path that we've been commissioned to with our baptism. It's amazing Satan is prepared to hand over all the kingdoms of the world 
just to have Jesus follow him. But Jesus has had enough. Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Satan has now dealt with, uh, sorry, Jesus has now dealt with Satan's main attack and he's destroyed it with the sword of the spirit. There's another valuable lesson here and that is the importance of allowing each other in the body to minister, us, minister to us and, and strengthen us. Uh, Ephesians 4.16 says, the whole body, that is the church, builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfil the law of Christ. And so I think there's an important lesson for us that we need to be building into each other, supporting each other and building each other up. So we've learned a lot of things from Jesus here. I think it's important to realise to, to live a life the way Jesus lived, we need to live a life following his practices and, and his ways. And so just summarising some of the things we've gone through with this part of the, the message. Um, a faithful life lived for God will have trial and trouble. Uh, but remember, God is in control. And as Steve pointed out before, God is always working for the good of those who love him. Silence, solitude, fasting and prayer bring us to a position of strength and readiness. We need to beware suggestions of a, a quick, easy fix that satisfy, satisfies worldly wants, the superficial and sensational, and uh, offers of generally the, the things of the world. Scripture is a powerful sword, but it needs to be handled by the spirit of truth. It's God's word that determines our identity and value. And I think these are all good things to remember as we're going through trial and temptation. And the importance of fellowship of bearing one another's burdens and, and building each other up. Now, I promised in the second part of the message we would stand back and get a bit of a grand view of Jesus. Jesus' use of Deuteronomy in the first response is, is not by chance. God through Matthew is giving us a big picture of Jesus. Deuteronomy 8 is a passage that recalls a time in Israel's history when Israel had been slaves in Egypt and God had brought them out of Egypt. So he had brought them through the Red Sea, he had parted the Red Sea, they'd come up out of the waters of the Red Sea and into the wilderness of the desert. And I'll just, just to make this comparison uh, more clear, Israel had come up from the waters of the Red Sea, Jesus had come up from the waters of baptism. Israel spent 40 years in the desert wilderness Jesus had spent 40 days in the, in the wilderness. Now, Israel had been repeatedly unfaithful. Apparently, the journey they took in the wilderness normally would take 12 days by foot. It took 40 years because they were repeatedly unfaithful. Um, they, they weren't able to be what, what God was asking them to be, and that is a faithful representation of God into the world. Jesus, however was faithful. He was completely faithful. Matthew was saying he is the faithful Israelite. He's the faithful Jew that God was always looking for. 
The great thing is this faithfulness he showed to the Father, he also offers to us. So I just want to just focus on that faithfulness again. Just look at the final choice that Satan had given to Jesus. Um, all the goods, all the glorious things of the world, the precious things of the world. Never in history has anyone been given an offer so enticing. Look at the uh, opposing choice that Jesus had was to go to the cross, uh, to suffer the, the physical suffering of the cross, uh, to suffer the, humili you know, the, um, uh, the humilification. Um, he was vilified and mocked on the cross, um, but also the, the spiritual suffering that Jesus took. Jesus took all the sins of the world onto him and he then suffered the, the righteous punishment of God onto him. So oppositely, never has an offer looked so difficult. And yet even with this before him, Jesus stayed faithful and shows the path of faithfulness for God uh, and for us. So I think if anyone's here today that's still considering whether to trust your life or your eternity to Jesus, I guess my hope and prayer is from today and looking at this, you can see that he's worthy. He's worthy of your trust and of your faith. And if someone like that is here today, oh, I would leave some of these verses uh, here. Psalm 145, the Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. This is not coming out, but anyway, 2 Thessalonians says, the Lord is faithful and he will do it. What will he do? Mm. I've lost the last two slides, sorry. Um, um, in, in John, in, in John um, Jesus says that he is faithful. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to cleanse us of all unri unrighteousness. Um, so Jesus offers to forgive us our sins, um, to clean us from all our unrighteousness, and bring us into his kingdom forever, into his, his perfect kingdom. If you're here today going through a period of trial and temptation, and I guess for all of us, we're regularly going through some level of trial and temptation, but for other of us, it might be a particularly difficult time. Um, I would leave these verses for you. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 3. The Lord is faithful, he will strengthen you, and protect you from the evil one. 1 Corinthians 13. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And then one of my faithful verses, one of my favourite verses, John 16, 33. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble but take heart, I have overcome the world. Uh, I'll just pray now before we go into our final song. Father, we give, give you thanks for Jesus. Thank you that as we've sung today, he is holy. Um, he is holy in his faithfulness to you. He's holy in his faithfulness to us. We give you thanks that Despite everything that he was tempted with, 
um, who still went to the cross and faithfully served you and faithfully serve us. I pray today that will sink deep into our hearts um, and I pray that uh, it is our heart that we will be faithful to you and reveal you to the world around us this week. In Jesus' name, amen.